0: Coaches, Cognition, Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed Coaching for the Coach.
1: Welcome back to another episode of C3. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here with… Violet Christensen. Violet, what's new in your world?
0: Um, in my world, it's been a really busy spring, just like everyone. And um, one super exciting thing with my educators has been, they're just getting really into the meat of their writing instruction right now. And so I keep getting samples in my inbox of, of expanded writing projects and new things. And it's, it's just fun to see their energy when they're in the same classroom with their students and people do that writing instruction And then on the personal side, my husband has a new job, so we actually get Saturdays back together as a family. So I'm feeling like a little bit
1: more balanced of a human um, having him around, which is kind of nice. Well, congratulations to Sam. I know he's a regular listener, so Mm -hmm. I will congratulate him on his new endeavor and excited for you and your family that you have your weekends back together. Absolutely. It feels nice, definitely. Tell me what's going on in your world, Courtney. Courtney? I mean, I'm trying to, part of self-care is, you know, spending time outside. If Colorado will make up its mind, I'm trying to get the garden ready. And we've had two major snowstorms in the last two weeks. We had like six inches of snow the other night fall. So I'm really hoping we're going to have those 70 degree temperatures um, that they're promising this weekend. And that will be the last of it. Absolutely.
0: My daughters keep going Isn't it spring, mom? It looks like winter. So they're definitely feeling it too.
1: I I guess this is Colorado spring. And then, you know, work wise, just trying to wrap up those coaching cycles and kind of move into the forward planning. We have new teacher orientation that launches in early August. And it's crazy to think we're already planning for next school year. Um, Still in the midst of the pandemic, but we're pushing on through with our planning sessions. So that's been fun and exciting to kind of reconnect with different people around our district that we don't normally get to work with. Today, we're fortunate enough to have pulled together many perspectives on education during the pandemic. We are joined today by Dr. Diane Lauer, Assistant Superintendent of Priority Programs and Academic Support in St. Vrain, Dr. Sean Corey, Principal of Legacy Elementary School, two tremendous educators, Mandy Warren, who works in online education, and Nicholas Meyer, who worked in an in-person and hybrid setting. To get a coaching perspective, we have Kelly Addington, a learning coach in St. Vrain. Let's dive in with them and hear their insight. All right. Welcome
0: today. We are so excited to have Mandy Warren and Nicholas Meyer here to join us with the teacher perspective. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, we wanted to start by just jumping right in to learning a little bit about both of you. And we'd like to hear a little bit more about how long you've been teaching and what modalities you've been teaching in, in this last year. So Mandy, do you want to start us off and then we'll jump to the list?
2: Sure. Um, I've been teaching for almost 15 years all over the world. I've served in the Peace Corps, uh, grew up in the Midwest. And for the last 10 years, have been living in Colorado. Um, I mainly have taught fourth and fifth grade And this last year, I actually was part of a brand new uh, program that our district opened up where regardless of what happens with the pandemic, all of the kids are online the entire year. Um, And it's pushed me as an educator. It's taught me a lot, um, but that's kind of where we're at right now. And next year, I'll be returning to the classroom and helping open uh,
0: the newest school in our district. You are a wealth of background. That is amazing. We're so excited to have you today. Nicholas, tell us more about you.
3: All right. I also grew up in the Midwest, and I am a fourth grade teacher. I uh, taught in person this year, well, when we had that. Um, So we started a couple months, 100% online. Then we switched to two months of hybrid with synchronous instruction, where we were teaching children in the classroom with the other half of the class online at the same time. And then we closed again for a month Um, and then we came back to 100 percent where we have been for almost four months and finally have a sense of normalcy with our last month of school. left.
1: So we have two very different ends of the spectrum of this COVID uh, pandemic teaching year, for sure. We have seen and know firsthand that students have developed so many new skill sets during the pandemic. What skill areas have you seen students grow in that maybe you had not thought about or that um, teaching models of this year brought up? Go ahead, Mandy. Okay. (laughs) I was going to say,
2: I think the biggest ones for me are just, um, there's really three. The power of self-reflection, how creative my students are, because just like Nick, I also teach fourth grade and um, just what they're able to do online I don't think I think I had an idea because I've always been interested in technology and like its connection to education. But I don't think I really had an idea um, of okay. how far they're really able to go until this year. And then self-advocacy, um, I think, is the other one, too. Um, I think that in I don't want to say normal years, but maybe pre-COVID times, um, the, like a, a fourth grader maybe wouldn't be able to advocate for themselves as much as I've seen during the pandemic. And when they're not understanding something, and this connects back to the self-reflection piece, um, we've established a community in our online classroom where they feel really comfortable speaking up to that or speaking to other people about, oh, I don't have this quite yet. You know, can you can you help me? Can you show it to me a different way? That type of thing.
1: What an amazing, you know, skill for students to have at fourth grade. I think it was always in them. But maybe as educators, we were kind of filling in those gaps and then having this opportunity of having to be resilient and speak up for themselves. But I feel like, wow, if they're doing this now, what is it gonna look like for them when they get to high school? Totally.
3: I've noticed a lot of the same things my students. Um definitely resilience. One thing that I made a big phrase for them, um that I would repeat to them when we would have another abrupt model shift and usually it was sad. We're going back online. Um, as I tell them, we can't uh, choose what happens to us in this world, but we can choose what kind of person we're going to be. And we're going to be strong and brave. And I was just, you know, trying to trying to keep their little chins up, but they really um, invested in that, made that their own, and now are saying it to each other and have grown a lot. It's been really cool to see how that they've changed as a person. And I actually asked my students what I should answer these questions. And they kind of, um, like you had mentioned, Mandy, like that we can like, we can listen and not mess around, you know. Um, and then something else I've noticed is that they've become a lot more compassionate and I'd say have a more comprehensive view about how they impact others around them to the extent that they understand that their teacher is struggling with this and having a rough time too, and that how they act can improve my experience and help me to have a better year as a teacher during a challenging one. So I've really been thankful for how that has affected them in that way.
0: Absolutely. That shared vulnerability is so huge and building that empathicness in others is just unbelievable. I We got to do a thank you video for educators and I had a fifth grader create her own green screen video with no help from her educator saying I take meetings like my mom and dad do and I create iMovie college like demonstrations of my learning. Look at what I've learned this year and to hear their passion for the new types of learning and the new types of development that they've had is really unbelievable. And along that same line, tell me, Nicholas, we'll start with you this time. How have you grown as an educator since the start of the pandemic? What has really stretched and grown you?
3: My students, when I asked them that, said, because I wanted their perspective, to be something that I wouldn't think of. And they're like, you got better at using WebEx. You got better <laughs> at using <than> <laughs> sharing. I was like, I guess, yeah, you're right, which is true. When we shut down a year ago, it was like, what do we do? I just read them a book every day to anyone who was willing to show up and listen to their teacher look really sad and read a book. And now we do know how to learn math online, you know, when we need to. Um, But I think that what it's made me appreciate and grow in is that I feel now like, oh, I can handle that, you know, like becoming resilient as another educator,
0: figured out how to be way more flexible within whatever model that you might be living oh, in, in that moment. Yes. Mandy, what are your thoughts?
2: Cool. Um, I would say, so I've always been pretty passionate about technology. Um, and I think that this year has taught me that even though I'm passionate about it, there's really like different ways to utilize it. And what did it, like, it made me think more about why it is that I use technology and why am I asking the kids to use this piece of technology or kahoot or whatever it is right now. And so it's really pushed me to, it's made me think about the purpose behind the assignments that I assign or the project-based learning opportunities that we do. Um, And I think also it's really pushed me to think about my role as a teacher. And I think before the pandemic, I spent way too much time in front of the classroom. And the way that our program online works is we only have three really big times to touch base throughout the day. And so um, I really have to be really intentional about the time that I spend with my kids online and I don't need to be the sage on the stage. Like what are those times together on Webex look like? And do I really need to be at the front of the classroom? (laughs) Or can I open it up and and practice different um, teaching frameworks and like ways of setting up my class?
3: I love, I
1: love the shift in intentionality and thought and being reflective. I mean, I feel like before this year, everyone was going to go, you know, fast, fast, fast onto the next lesson. And I feel like somehow in the midst of all the chaos, everyone's been able to take a step back and really look at how can I leverage my time with students? How can I, you know, let things roll off my back and keep it moving when, you know, we're in person, when it was so hard online and now that we're back, like the little stuff doesn't matter. Um, And just how powerful that is moving forward. And I really hope, you know, people listening hold on to those changes and bring them forward when things feel more normal, whether or not. You know, when we start again in August, what things can we bring forward with us?
2: I have such a bad memory, too. And so I've actually started a notebook where I write down, like, oh, you need to remember this. Like, this is what you learned. Um, and take that with you, like, beyond beyond our WebEx classroom and beyond the pandemic.
3: That's huge. That's so huge. I should do that. <laughs> I definitely, um, something that you said, Mandy, that stood out to me is, um, like identifying the purpose of why you're doing something you want your outcome to be, which is what we do in a normal pre-COVID classroom um, with learning targets and success criteria. But like what we've been very quickly awakened to as educators is the avenue from the target to achieving the success criteria doesn't work anymore. You know, we've had to learn and become creative so many other ways. Like, oh, well, I can't provide you know this instruction that I would just clearly have done in the past. Now I need to come up with new creative ways. Come up with ways to facilitate this asynchronously or um, through a different modality. And I, what I love about that is now that I'm back with students in the classroom. I can still do those things. If I need time to, you know, communicate with another educator about something um, that I wasn't expecting, boom, here's an assignment. And that you can do, you can still be working on our success criteria. And now it's through this skill that we've learned as having to adapt to teaching in COVID times.
1: This might be the renaissance of teaching. Perfect. All these practices, you know, are really... Things out of COVID that you've developed, but now you're looking at how does this fit into an everyday classroom where my students are right in front of me? It's really fascinating to see what will come and grow out of this experience. Can you tell us how you've leveraged coaching during the pandemic? I was, I was thinking
2: about this the other day and I feel like most of my like, leveraging of coaching has surrounded conversations I have with parents and with my teammates. Um, When I think about parents, you know, we've kind of have, we kind of had to throw out like a lot of what we were doing pre-COVID times, um, at least in terms of communicating like with parents on my end and the way that school looks um, virtually is really different than it did a year and a half ago. And so for me, it was listening first as to what their expectations of me were, and then kind of meeting them in the middle and saying, you know, this is what I imagine it to look like. And the beauty of this virtual environment we've created this year is just the flexibility, like, Earlier this year, I was talking to a parent and they wanted to kind of know exactly what was going to be going on the rest of the school year in terms of curriculum. And I was like, well, I can't provide you that, but I can provide you the next few units, just overall arching ideas. And um, one thing that's really fun about fourth grade is we teach Colorado history. And so this family knew that we were gonna be learning about Pueblo dwellers and other Native American groups, and so they got in their RV and took their kid to that place and we, they went to a campground and like logged in on Webex and we chatted. And then after we got off, you got to go experience that thing that we just read about. And I don't think that would have happened pre COVID time. So connecting it back to coaching, it's really been a lot of me talking to parents, at least on my end, um and just making sure that they understand where i'm coming from but um just listening to you know what, what they really need in this environment as well
1: that story gave me chills like how invested the family is in furthering their child's education and they had the time and the space to say okay we're going to pick up and we're going to travel and yep. go and explore this and you're going to get to see in real time what you know the history is that's such an investment in their child's education. That's
3: so cool.
2: It was, it was really cool. I was just going to say, I was blown away by it. And I, you know, uh, the other coaching thing that I talked about or was thinking about too, is just um, conversations that I've had with teachers. Um, and, you know, I, I think one thing that I missed the most about the job that I moved into this year is, touching base with teammates and those before and after conversation before and after school conversations. And so, um, just Fridays, we meet at least for an hour and the eight of us, you know, the beginning of the year was felt a lot harder. And so it was definitely event session at times, but now it's really blossomed into this, like listening and then providing really meaningful feedback and, you know, points of action to to kind of bring us to a positive place moving into the coming week.
0: I love that all your examples come back to true and active listening at the heart of it, hearing what your students' needs are, being intentional with that, listening to the parents first and making sure you understand where they are at, and, and just always going back to that with your colleagues as well. It's just, it's beautiful. Anyone would love to be on your team, I'm sure. Thank you. Nicholas, what's your thought about leveraging coaching during this pandemic?
3: Coaching has been so important to me uh, during this pandemic. I was less than a year into my teaching career when the rug was ripped out in, from underneath me. And um, so, you know, I had barely just figured out what I was doing in a classroom. And um, I think that our coaches have been like our heroes and capes kind of behind the scenes, um, really helping us through wh- how do we do this, you know? Being people there with ideas or there was support, you know, something that in both an in person and virtual setting that I think is such a critical part of coaching is just providing um, support to a teacher and validation and checking in on well being. And that was a really important component of making it through to the point where now it's no longer a this is the worst, I can't do this to like, oh, I got this, you know, kind of. And it was um, the uh, experiences with my own coach or in formal with um, other people that I look up to um, who really helped me and other teachers shift to a place where, oh, we can do this and we will. And when this is Further in the past, you know, we're going to be better teachers from it based on the skills we have. And it was really hard to invest in that at first because the world was a sad, scary place. But now that we do feel used to the reality of what it, it has been our existence the last year or So so, um, it, it doesn't feel so like it's like, yeah, we are like, you know, that's that seems like a bigger part of the picture. Now that's what it's about is we've grown and hopefully, you know, we're, we're taking steps away from the events of the last year. But um, we have a lot to take with us that we never would have. And um, definitely coaching has been a big part of, of facilitating that.
0: What I'm hearing from both of you is we had to start in a how to survive mentality And over the course of last year, you really have evolved into a how to thrive and how to thrive moving forward mentality. And what a beautiful journey of elevation that has given us, whether or not we chose it for ourselves, the insights and the understanding that's coming out of it is just absolutely brilliant. So it's wonderful to hear your insights today. So thank you guys for joining us. We are just so excited to share your thoughts with our listeners. And thank you for sharing all of those with us. We appreciate you. Thank
4: thank you. you.
1: Mandy and Nicholas have shared some of the amazing ways that educators have risen to the occasion, and no matter what, made sure that students continue to learn. Now let's hear from Kelly Addington for the instructional coaching perspective.
0: Kelly, we are super excited to have you join us today. Thank you for joining us on C3. Yeah,
4: thanks for having me.
0: We're excited to have your expertise today, and we just wanted to start with hearing a little bit about your background in education, and if you can tell us a little bit about your role in the past year.
4: Yeah, so this year is my 16th year in education. Um, You know, most of that, the first 14 years were as a classroom teacher, mostly at the middle school level with some years in in fifth grade. And then in the 2019 school year, at the beginning of that was when I started in St. Brain as a learning coach. Uh, where I had three buildings down in the Erie feeder that I was um, working with and, and coaching uh, teachers and administrators at. Um, and then as the pandemic came on, that really led to a focus on two schools that I was really supporting um, during that time. So it's been a crazy year yeah. <laughs> and a crazy time to jump in uh, a crazy time to jump in as being a coach you know that first year the first part of the year was a little bit normal and the second part not so much
1: <laughs> yeah I mean typically as a coach your job evolves and changes throughout a year normally but you've really been thrown in and had the ultimate change happen right and yeah, coaching
4: for sure I don't think any of us could have anticipated what you know the end of last year and, the, and this year would bring
1: so Can you talk to us a little bit about how you've leveraged your coaching craft during the pandemic?
4: Yeah. So I feel like, um, you know, last year being my first year in a building, it was, it's always important to build those relationships. And I feel like as, um, we got into the pandemic, it was just super important for me to draw on the relationships that I had, that I had built with others. Um, we're all feeling kind of vulnerable, uh, during that time, just not really knowing, um, what what to do next and what was going to happen and what we we're going to be expected to do. So I feel like those relationships just made um, the coaching conversations I had with people um, just go farther. Um, and, you know, speaking about vulnerability, I think it was just important for, for me during that time to model some of my vulnerability because I definitely did not have all of the answers. Um, and I just you know, it was okay for me to be able to say, I don't know, but I'll find out and we'll figure this out together. You know, we're partners, we're going to figure this out together. And so um, I think that that really made a difference in, in coaching people over the last year. And how amazing for your educators to be able to have somebody
0: to walk the walk with them and share their vulnerabilities and just be learning and growing together. Cause none of us had a clear roadmap as to where we were going. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. So just being able to have that vulnerability and be able to jump in with you and build relationships as a newer coach at some of those sites, that's unbelievable. Tell me through that time a little bit more, can you drill in and tell us how did you grow as a coach through this pandemic coaching, if you will?
4: Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's been so many, we've been given so many opportunities for reflection. So either if it's been, you know, me working with you know, some of the people that I work with in terms of, you know, you all, um, coaching each other, there's been some opportunities for reflection there. Um, and I feel like, as I think about some of the states of mind that we talk about, that I feel like I've really grown in my area of flexibility, um, because I've had to. (laughs) So if I could, you know, if I could take a look at those five states of mind that, that we talk about with cognitive coaching, I feel like flexibility has really been one of the places where, um, I've been, I've been forced to grow, which is a great thing. Um, you know, and then just as a coach, I feel like we can have things kind of, we can have ideas of what we're going to talk about with people, um, because we've had a plan like, okay, we're going to talk about this today. Right. And I feel like just in terms of that flexibility, I've had to just really meet people where they are because sometimes we're supposed to be talking about one thing, but that is totally not what they need at that moment. Um, and so that's just another way that the flexibility that has, has really transformed for, for me is just being okay with meeting people where we are. It's not my agenda. It's what they need. Um, and so being able to do that, I think, has continued to just strengthen those relationships as we've, as we've worked together in the, past, in the past year.
1: I mean, what a great lesson to take forward of really truly walking to every coaching conversation of we really need to meet people where they are. A lot can happen in a teacher's day. Um, that they need someone to listen to them. They may not be ready to plan that unit because they just had an incident with a student that they want to talk through and just really, truly honoring that. And that helps in that relationship building for sure.
4: Yeah, definitely. And just the, you know, looking through the, having been a teacher pretty recently, it's, you know, just trying to look through, look through that lens and have that, um, just that empathy, you know, for, for where we are and that we are all, we've all had to do things in the past year um, that have been less than ideal. You know, we've all (laughs) had to, yeah, just had to do things that are not exactly how we want to be spending every single minute of our time. So.
0: But you're really adjusting your coaching mindset and your questioning and your structures based on what you're seeing in front of you and attuning to their uniqueness of that moment and that person. And what a powerful model to follow.
1: Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> What's one skill in your coaching toolbox that you've really refined over the course of this year? If I think of
4: a word, I guess that kind of comes to mind of something that I've been able to refine. It's intentionality, and just going into, um, just being intentional for myself on how I'm spending my own time. Um, you know, making sure I feel like those first couple of well months when this all happened. I could easily plan meetings back to back to back to back and have no time to even sit and think or reflect on a conversation that I just had with someone and I felt like that was doing a disservice to my coaching as a whole and so um just really trying to be intentional about setting those setting that time aside for me to um just think through some things after the fact kind of jot some notes down and just be reflective on coaching conversations so that in the future that we are having good intentional conversations. Sometimes, you know, we only have fifteen minutes with someone. Sometimes, we only have twenty minutes with someone. Whatever that amount of time. Sometimes, you know, now that we're back in buildings, you might only have five minutes with someone. But just trying to be intentional about how I'm scheduling myself so that way I'm able to just give more of myself if I'm taking care of myself. Right? I mean, we talk about all the time. Like you can't can't drink from the from the empty cup. So just making sure that I'm taking care of myself. I'm making sure that I'm. Um, having those few minutes of break between coaching conversations and not piling everything on back to back. So, for me, I feel like that's been an important lesson over this past year for sure. So, you're able to
0: have clearer cognition when you actually give yourself time to reflect before you jump into the next objective, right?
4: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's 100%. It.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your insight of coaching during a pandemic.
4: Yeah. I feel like we've all, you know, we've all had so many chances to learn and grow and it's, it's been fun and going forward, you know, it'll be just exciting to think about how we can take what we've learned in this past year and just really make next year even, even better. Thank you. I love that. Reflecting
0: into planning for next year and making it, making it the most robust possible. Any educator would be so lucky to have you as their coach, Kelly, and we really appreciate your insights today. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Kelly offered some great insight into coaching during the pandemic. I know one thing I want to bring forward that Kelly spoke about is really remembering to meet people where they are. Now we'll hear from the leadership perspective with Dr. Diane Lauer and Dr. Sean Corey.
0: All right. Welcome, Dr. Diane Lauer and Dr. Sean Corey. We are so excited to have you here on C3. Thank you for joining us today.
5: Super great to be here.
6: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to visit with you guys.
0: It'll be a great conversation. And we just want to start by getting to know you both a little bit more. So can you just kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background in education and tell us a bit about your role in the last year? Diane, we'll start with you.
5: Absolutely. Um, my name is Diane Lauer, and I am the assistant superintendent of priority programs and academic Support in St. Brain Valley Schools. And um this is year 30 for me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I started teaching in nineteen ninety one. And um, you know, like when you're twenty-two and you start teaching and you're like, what will life be like when, you know, 30, 20 years from now, did I ever, ever, ever think that in 2020 we'd be having a global pandemic? No. And so, you know, um, I I I've been extremely fortunate for people like you guys and Sean and and everyone who's kept us together. Um, you know, I, I started uh, as a as a teacher. I taught for about ten years, and then I became an instructional coach, and then I became a middle school administrator, and then a director of coaches and director of curriculum. And and uh, you know, I oversee a lot of programs, and professional development is one of them. And I love what I. Do because I get to be very, very creative um, to come up with solutions and incubate ideas. To just we look around and we say, "How can we be better?" And that's my job, working with a bunch of people who are saying, "Like, where can we be better?" And um, that's what I've been doing this year. Like, um, you know, we are always being better, and this has been one of those years where. There has been so many opportunities where we can incubate ideas and and just be better. And I, you know, it's been it's been extremely hard, but also extremely rewarding.
6: <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Sean Corey. Um, I'm the principal currently, the principal of Legacy Elementary. Um, I guess that made me think, Diane. Um, I guess I'm in year twenty. 20- Six headed into year twenty six because I started in ninety five um, down in coast Springs, um, yeah, so through that time I was a, a teacher, I was a coordinator of a multi site GT program, um, then found my way to St Grain Valley actually quite a long time ago and, and i 've sort of made my home leading as a teacher, assistant principal, and building administrator out here in the Frederick Firestone Decono area out here in carbon valley so that 's um that's what got me here at this point. Um, then what gets me up in the morning, what keeps me doing this and what keeps me coming back and happy and rewarded, like fulfilled. It's, it's the people like uh, and you hear it and it's trite. And, you know, listening to uh, the, the coaching podcast and thinking of, of the work that you guys have done. And so many people say, oh, it's the people. It's the people. Well, it's the people, but it's also the people and helping people come together. Um, removing obstacles and sometimes those obstacles are within their own like they're they're in their own heads they're in their own constructs and like helping people realize their own efficacious like efficaciousness their own power um and and find their voice that has been that's actually been a joy and that's helped me maintain optimism through this craziness um that is the year and and it's um it's made it not so crazy on the frontline level at times. I mean, certainly the agendas fill up, but when, when it gets down to actually working individually with the people, giving them time, um, and seeing what they can do when we actually support each other and move those obstacles, it's, it's inspirational.
0: You both are so great at cultivating leadership and helping to build that efficacy and raise those states of mind in all of your educators. Our system is blessed to have both of you.
1: I love how, you know, the positivity comes shining through. You know, we've all had an uphill battle this year, but you both spoke so eloquently to all the positives and the growth that you're seeing and the potential um, for opportunities to come. And that's really our focus today. Diane, from the systems perspective, what is your biggest learning been?
5: I've always been a big fan of um, change models. And um, whether it's the concern-based adoption model or Cotter's model, I, you know, I, I like models. And so what's been fascinating is that when I have the time to implement change, right? So my job is kind of a central office administrator, or even as a, a, you know, a principal, you're like, we need to do X. And so you think about how to... Create that sense of urgency, build your go your guiding coalition, you know form your strategic vision you're you're doing all that those pieces and parts to get started well this year it started without us like we didn't plan any of this, but what's fascinating to me is that the change model um it was it was still there right like we didn't have to create an artificial sense of urgency or look for, you know, ways to say like, "Wow, um, our kids can't read," or "Wow, like, you know, we have to teach kids at home because that's where we are." So, but you know, it, it's been fascinating when when that is created for you. Um, you still have to, as a leader, as as a person who is seeing uh, and 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 helping shift uh, systems, you still have to do those pieces and parts. You still have to find that coalition, that guiding coalition of people who you're going to, you know, bring together and plant that seed. You have to have a vision. You have to have, like, where are we headed and what that is going to look like. And that is really hard when it's so ambiguous and you don't necessarily know But to have something concrete and something that everyone can come around, um, then you can grow and you can follow through the systems. And, um, you know, this year, part of Cotter's model model is really um, removing barriers. Like there were so many barriers that we had to um, remove. And you still you have to find those short wins. You have to say like this is like wow this is working and you know um i look back to our very first week and i thought one of the things we did so well um was we chunked it out we you know i think we'll all remember here in this area march 13th 2020 is i call it the day it went dark we all went home and you know it <laughs> and we were extremely focused on one short win and that was: Is everybody ready for Monday? And we we reached out to the principals, we reached out to the teachers, and we asked one question: When we come back to school after you know the additional week of spring break, are you ready to teach? We trained on WebEx, we trained on you know um, our Seesaw, we trained on Schoology. We got everything ready and going. But are you ready? One question. And the people who said yes, we were like, cool. The people who we said no, then we Zoomed in our coaches and we Zoomed in counselors and we Zoomed in everybody to help those people. And that strategic way, um, we were able to then accelerate and deploy. And so I guess I'm just thinking that even a, in a global pandemic change models are critical for systemic work. We are not flying by the seat of our pants. We have to look and say what do we need to strategically do and why? And you know, as we ease out of this pandemic, what I'm where I'm going is you know, we're going to keep using this model, right? And 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 the model works and um all the better to, to continue forward. And we may have to, you know, we, we're not going to have this sense of urgency, like, blam, everyone has to go home. But that's a critical place to start. So that's, that's really what I'm thinking about a lot. Um, how do we navigate now to fall? Um, because the elements are going to be a little bit different, but they're still there.
1: It's really the intentionality behind that change model that's so powerful.
0: Those incremental wins, those small wins over time that really help you to stay focused on where we're trying to get in that change. It's it's beautiful to see that and just pulling out the celebrations and the elevations in education across the board that are just revolutionary in the last year and holding tight to those things that are working is going to be fun to see going into next year. And Sean, from your perspective, you you led an entire school site through this this last year of uncertainty. How did you remain mindful of supporting all of the staff, students, and families in this time?
6: It was an intentional usage of time and giving time, you know, connected to that change model. Understanding that people are at different phases and stages and they grow through it and can tolerate it at different, different paces. You know, and all of a sudden, so, so understanding that, well, this particular teacher might need a little bit more time to sort of make peace with this. But, but there's like a group of five other teachers who are like, well, what do we need to do next? Okay, we got that. What do we need to do next? And we had to be ready to, to respond. And so as a leader on that site, it's, it's giving a lot of the people time and listening. And it's not only listening to the, it's listening to the one person. But it's also listening to, like, what is the whole group? What is is the vibe? What is the feel you're getting? And that takes time. Mm
3: -hmm. And interestingly,
6: I think that's where the data comes to play with this. Like, our data this year wasn't, like, a solid, like, quantitative, like, metric. It was those qualitative components where we actually would take the time and actually listen. So my challenge for for me as a leader and being in a building was actually providing myself the time to be fully present and engaged in a conversation because getting that information and looking at those trends, it can't be done magically. I can't, I I can't rush it to get, to understand what people need to actually get to the point that we were talking about of removing those obstacles. Um, So then I ironically, then I actually, then needed to get to a place where i could give time to myself (laughs) as a leader and be like okay our focus is still to teach kids and teachers are the people who teach kids so i needed to be there for that so i sort of needed to be like make sure i was grounded make sure i was taking care of myself because I didn't, I wasn't always successful. I'll be, I'll, I have to be honest. Sometimes I was like, nope, I rushed it. I I pushed that person. That was not fair. Um, but thank goodness, we can always circle back around and, and, and reconnect with those people. But uh, overall, that's what I would say. It's actually giving the time um, to just listen and then respond.
1: Yeah. Reflection has been such an important role throughout, you know, anyone's, you know, through educators, through coaches, I feel like everyone's spending a lot more time and space to reflect and kind of have an opportunity to breathe between those conversations and really look at the opportunities that they're providing. I feel like before we are just continuously on the go and among, you know, all of the constraints that we have right now, I really have seen educators kind of take that pause and really lean into that reflection process. Right.
6: Yeah, I like that point because it makes me connect to like where we're going with this conversation anyways. Where do we go from here? And it's one of those things that we say is good for kids. We need to go slow to go fast. You know, the the quotes we've heard and we've internalized actually for students at, at points. But are we applying it to systems? Are we applying it to people? And maybe what we can do is maybe we were doing some extraneous stuff that wasn't actually serving our primary like task. Um, and maybe like, and we've learned that through this hyper crazy focused time of COVID. And so we can now look back and say, you know what, let's, let's take a little bit more. So let's, let's carry this forward. Let's, let's teach kids deeply, but also let's, let's, since we now understand kids need that, people need that. So let's give that same thing to the people with whom we work.
5: John, that's such a, that's such a gift. And, you know, you know, your humanness and your, your ability to connect in relationships, when you give, when you give time to people, you are giving a gift. And I, 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 you know, there have been so many heroes this year. And I always say like, no one outside of the realm of education will ever really understand what happened, but principals and teachers are my heroes. they are my heroes because because it was such hard work, and you're so right, like things could not be rushed, and sometimes it felt like, "Ah, we gotta get this done." you know, and, and it would, and it would, but just giving people what they need and being there for them, Sean, like you are so good at that. And that is, you know, there's, there's nothing more important truly in a crisis, um, a clear head, but hopefully (laughs) you have strong relationships, right? Because Stephen Covey talks about the speed of trust and, Man, having having everything that you had before the pandemic, that trust bank was so full because you had strong relationships. You had you had a strong culture that you were really able to, you know, thrive and you know, just really do amazing things at your school this year.
6: Oh, no, thank you. I, it's uh, it makes me think of the lessons in situational leadership too, because you have to have the foundation first, which is trust, and. And the rapport with, with people. And then you're able to provide the focus. Because once we get through all that, that's all well and good. But letting yourself just sort of drift out there is not going to help either. Like going, returning back to what our primary cause. Like we're supposed to be teaching kids. And you know what? Pandemic, not pandemic. <laughs> Teachers know how to teach kids. Like principals, we know how to run schools. Like we haven't lost that. So once we've tended to where we are emotionally, we need the next step for me, which was actually focus, you know, like what what are we supposed to be getting done here? Well, we're supposed to be taking care of kids. And this, of course, called to make sure you're taking care of the the social, emotional well-being of the students. And don't forget, we still want them to continue to learn to read, write, do math, science, social studies and all that groovy, cool stuff.
5: Keep the main thing, the main thing. That is, that is, that's the work,
6: right? Boom.
1: <laughs> I know you're both big proponents of coaching. Can you tell us a little bit about how you've leveraged coaching during the pandemic?
5: Ah, uh, Well, you know, um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say three words, video, video, video. <laughs> and <laughs> I is I mean I used to have a few Zoom meetings and I will tell you I I have been one of those things like I want to see a person you know I want to be with the person and um well when you can't you can't and I have realized from my own teaching and facilitating meetings and one-on-one coaching like you can you can coach through video and sometimes you're like more effective, um, because you, you're not losing the sense of drive time, that person, um, they can, you know, it's just, you can, sometimes you're fractured, but sometimes, you know, I just feel like you can still create that sense of connection, um, between people. You don't have to be physically together. And, and I miss that. Like I, i I absolutely miss that. But I think um, leveraging coaching for me um, has really been about video. And we are extraordinarily fortunate because we've been using a platform called Athena for a long time. I'm saying a long time, like, you know, seven years, which is a long time. But, you know, we've really we had a foundation for video coaching beforehand. And so a lot of our teachers had um some experience with that and i and i think that being able to use um being able to use video for your planning conversations for your reflecting conversations for this piece and then also you know to be able to pop into someone's direct instruction and be part of their webex or to be part of that like like you can do it and you can record it and then The beauty of being able to record your instruction is we know that, you know, the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve, like you lose half of what just happened an hour ago. And so and the other thing um, through video, the teacher can see her or himself teach as a coach, you know, without video, all, all you have is your insights and what you saw. And you know how hard it is to remove bias. Like I I always look kind of for certain things and I tell myself when I'm observing, like, you know, it's okay, Diane, like, okay, their warm-up went over time. Like, I'm like, burr, 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 burr. you know, that's kind of like my nagging little thing. And and I and it's it's always more important if somebody notices that than me telling them. And so I just think that video is is extraordinarily powerful. And the teachers who've, who've gone through the teaching pandemic, like, they've looked at themselves on video more than they ever have before, like, and so um, I think, I think that being able to see themselves teach, and all the instructional videos that they've created, like, to, to, to help teach so that You know, um, students can either do station rotation or choice boards or just I think that has really like, wow, there's power in being able to go rewind, watch it again, rewind, watch it again. And so um, I I feel like video has just transformed coaching and teaching this year in such a way that we're not going back.
6: Yeah, I have a testimonial for you there too, Diane. I just this morning was reviewing um, an end of year reflection from a teacher, you know, and uh, she actually referenced Eddina and being able to like like look at herself, teach, That's and it. how that led to her growth. Yeah, I mean, so, like it was just it was just right on the top of my head because it was such and it was such a powerful reflection for her. Yeah. Um, so it was. It was awesome having that resource for her
5: isn't that amazing because you know i you know sean and i we both have this opportunity to teach adjunct classes and teacher evaluation is one of those and you know most colleges still teach like go in the classroom and bring a pad (laughs) of paper and script what you (laughs) see and it's like take take out your phone like why why would you do that and so I love that you said that, Sean, because how much more powerful is it for a teacher to say, I watched myself and here's what I noticed, right? I, you know, and I was here and now I'm here. And I mean, that's, that's when, when we are owning it and we are setting our own intention and we are, and we are reflecting for ourselves it's always 10 times more powerful than an evaluator or a coach. And you just have to sit back and go, you're so right. You are awesome. Way to go. And she did all the work, right? Yeah. And she should.
6: Nice. That's leveraging the power of coaching right there. It's actually, I've learned that I can ask questions. Right. A a non-tech example of that same exact thing I had occur as one teacher was going through, you know, leveraging coaching. And, you know, teacher to teacher work, she is, was going through her master's work, and was going through a coaching class, interestingly, in her master's work. And so she asked a neighboring teacher to go into her classroom. And so I was walking with the observer. And she's like, Oh, my gosh, this one teacher, she is amazing. And she does all this stuff. But you know what, she doesn't believe it. And so I gave her the notes and she's like, oh my gosh, I, I had no I didn't realize that that you know this was working as effectively as it was. And Sean wrote that down for me before, but I never believed him. Oh. You know, and it's like, yeah, as an administrator, it's like, no, the power in it is that has to be nice questions.
1: to me. <laughs> <laughs>
5: that is awesome. That is, that is really, really. That's a great anecdote. And, you know, you wonder, like, how, how, how might we be able to, like, have other people provide feedback? Like, maybe we just get used to getting feedback from the same people all the time. And Mm -hmm. then maybe it, maybe it isn't as impactful. You know, it's kind of like, you know, a parent telling their child, like, you know you're awesome, or you know what I mean. And then they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And then somebody else tells them, they're like, yay.
6: <laughs> I don't know. Yes. So someone else at the same, I mean, with the same eyes, and and someone they yeah. respect. I mean, it's not that they don't respect administrators, but it is. It's that hearing it the same thing over and over again, or the same approach. They're like, you always say that about me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, because I always see it, but I'm only seeing it from from my stuff through my filter. So providing them another filter with another like teammate is key.
0: Totally. Well, and it's the same thing that you see with students. It's like you're saying, if the teacher says it over and over, but when they hear it from that other kid in class that they admire the power of hearing that star about their writing or that wish about their writing or whatever the feedback may be, it they always take it with them further. It's always fun to see that. And we're just all big learners, right?
5: <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm.
0: Along that great idea, tell us, Sean, give us a little idea. Give us a story of innovation from this year. What is something that you've seen in educators do that you never thought was possible before? I know there's about a million examples rumbling in your brain
6: well well, yeah and, and one of the themes that's emerged in our conversation that's come up and like is almost a maintain focus and sort of keeping it simple. And what I think about an innovation I saw re- early on is they meet more frequently, <laughs> they're sharing more lessons. Um, our pacing is is tighter on our grade levels and on our teams than that's it right. ever has been. And I know that's really not what you're going after, I don't <laughs> think with this in, this innovation question, but it's from a system level, it's they they used the the technology to remove those barriers because if someone's either quarantined or someone has a sick kid now, they actually still come to the meeting. And mm-hmm. and because of that, um we are a more focused, more cohesive school unit <laughs> than we have been ever before. And I've gotten that feedback directly from from teachers, actually saying we've never and Initially, when you were saying innovation, I, was, I, I went there and thinking all the cool stuff that I've been seeing because it's just overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Every day I can go for a walk right now and, and see four things that I'd want to tweet. And, and no one wants to see that many tweets from me, so I don't. <laughs> but, but they are heroes, just like you said, Diane. And it's, it's incredible. And so I think when I was thinking innovation, I was thinking, well, let's not overlook the pencil. <laughs> you know, that whole idea of like, wait a minute, actually removing barriers to communication and keeping people on the same page and using technology in that way, because attendance at meetings and f- the focus around that, because we have an agenda, we have time, and we're all together.
5: Yeah, and maybe the innovation is clarity of purpose, right? You know, when 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 somebody's child is sick and you know you're quarantined then collaborating has a purpose because we have got to make sure we are getting you know together and making this all happen and then you start to see the value and the benefits and it just becomes a habit right and so it's when when collaboration doesn't have that strong sense of purpose then it becomes contrived it becomes like yeah yeah we're going to have collaboration time or we're going to meet together and, you know, can you run these copies for me and then I'll run this copies for you and then I'll, blah, blah, blah. you know, we just get that way. And because it's really it's really challenging to, um, you know, collaborate without that shared sense of purpose and and how awesome that your teachers are there now and how exciting for you to figure out a way to make that. Keep going forward, right? When you don't have that sense of purpose, you know, from the outside, how do they find that within? Go, you. You can do it. <laughs> I believe in you.
6: <laughs> it's like a deep thought statement.
5: How do you find? How
6: do you find a sense of purpose within?
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> one thing you want to take with you forward and what's one element that you hope never resurfaces in your role again oh my gosh <laughs> I know
5: I when you send those questions I'm like one thing oh let me let me let me say, on, one pre- you know, pandemic though, for life, like I'm can sorry. I take off like, this mask and I like like touch people like I'm gonna tell you the one thing I'm gonna tell you right now like going, going an entire year without like, I, I never realized what a big hugger I was. And I am just like, I want to grab you and hug you. It sounds so weird, but I'm like, (laughs) just this physical connection is so hard, you know, and kids that, you know, who want to, you know, and you're just like, okay. And then, you know, people looking at you like you let that kid touch you. And I'm like, okay. You know, I I'm going to sanitize my hands. And then, you know, so it's just, I don't ever want to do that again. That, that is so hard. And I think that that physical connection, and it's so valuable and it's just making me think like what I want to take forward is, okay, this is great. We're having a super time and we can still do this and not be together. But like when I get to see Sean, I'm going to like grab his hair and go (laughs) woohoo. Because I'm like, it's so long, right? But but like, how do we make those times when we are together special, right? Like, I don't want to take that for granted again. I don't want to take, I don't want to take anything for granted.
6: Ever. Yeah, I like that. That's, I, I want to take that, that sense of empathy, you know, that, that we have for each other, um, that we have for students, that we have for families. I want to take that forward. Um, and then, instructionally, what I hope we never lose is this ability to now differentiate projects and the way they show learning. Because that's that was the concern I had when we were going from hybrid, you know, coming off of online to hybrid. I'm like, you guys were so innovative with just le- letting kids express themselves or explain how they did that using whatever was at their house. Um, don't lose that idea around. They don't all need to do it the same way. To um, and I and I don't think we're going to lose it. I think that's a permanent change. <laughs> Um we've been a little more intentional um as we've come back together about celebrating celebrating these in, these innovations that they that have gone on with lesson delivery and projects and yeah. the way kids have been able to show their learning so that's that's on the instructional level. I hope we never ever lose that. Right? It could be a benefit from the pandemic to really embrace individuality and uniqueness while still holding to a standard or an objective um so i hope we never we don't lose that uh, and then coupled with we're all people and let's actually let's look at each other and say good morning and mean it and wait for a couple beats because you know personally i was a uh, before the pandemic i was a much too i could get much too fast to be fast um and I've done a lot of reflecting and soul searching on slowing my role a little bit. And I've really been pleased with the response that I've seen from people directly, but instructionally as well. Oh, and what I don't want, <laughs> I, one, I said it, so, interjected back there, but uh, one pandemic, a lifetime. Yes. <laughs> boom.
0: I think that's a great note to end on that we've just in a lifetime. And we just need to stay with that one pandemic lifetime and make sure we hold tight to that. So um, thank you both for bringing such deep reflections to our earbuds this morning. We are just so happy. um, Got to actually witness some cognitive shift here happening in this room. And so that was unbelievable this morning to share with you guys. So thank you for your time and energy.
5: Thank you,
1: Courtney.
6: Yes. Thank you very much. That was a great conversation. I'm, I'm ready to continue my day now. So thank you. Thank you for for indulging us.
1: No one in education was trained in pandemic teaching. Here we are just over a year later and educators have come together to continue to educate students. Out of this pandemic time, there has been innovation, reflection, and resiliency built. We hope you're able to gain some insight into the tremendous work educators have accomplished. What will you pull forward into your practice? Be sure to follow us on Twitter at C3Coaches. Thanks for listening. E3, connecting, coaches, cognition. Who's thinking will you mediate today?